0: This evening, we're continuing our series in the presence of God, looking at the presence of God over these uh, past couple of weeks. Uh, Dan's been taking us through, and we've reached our, our, third, our third session, isn't it? Um, looking at the presence of God. And uh, we're going to read uh, from Psalm 63. So if you've got a Bible, um, please do uh, open that up and turn to Psalm 63. And we're going to read that uh, together now. Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. You God are my gods. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I can sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glorify in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Let me pray for Dan as he comes and shares God's word with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you that it's powerful, uh, that it's true, that it is uh, never changing. Heavenly Father, thank you that this is your words, your words you've spoken to your people. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for the preparation that Dan's put in this week. Um, Father God, now as he comes to explain this to us, Father God, I pray that you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds, open our ears to hear. I pray you'd help Dan, give him everything that he needs and refresh with your Holy Spirit, anoint him as he comes and preaches to us this evening. Father God, may you be
1: glorified through him in Jesus' name, Amen. Hold you yeah. done. Thanks, James. And uh, evening, everyone. Uh, it's lovely to see you all uh, on Zoom. I uh, hope you have, a, have had a lovely afternoon uh, enjoying this weather. Just to say, as we start, there is uh, a worksheet, an activity sheet, uh, maybe for those who are younger, if you'd like to follow along uh, tonight 's thought it should just come through the chat Andy's just posted it. so just click on that file uh, and you can you can download it, have a look at it uh, and fill it in as we go through this evening. But tonight, as James said, uh, we're continuing in our presence of God series and uh, last week we saw uh, God's holy presence this week it 's a treasured presence, a treasured presence. And that's what we're looking at. Psalm 63. And uh, do keep it open in front of you as we go through it together. But here's a question. If you could enjoy eternal life in a place that was free of all suffering, in a place that had no death, in a place where every tear was wiped away, where there was no mourning, no pain, you can live in a place where all of your, every single one of your friends and family could be together in that place, surrounded by the most amazing views that you've ever looked at. But Jesus wasn't there. Would it still be heaven to you? Now, I, I really like that question, and I really don't like this question. I really don't like it because it, quite frankly, it challenges me every time I hear or read it. But I love it because it gets to the heart of things and it exposes the desires and the attitudes in my heart that I don't often get to see or realise that often. Because when I hear that question, I know what the answer is. As someone who's a Christian, I know the answer is no, it, it wouldn't be heaven. But there's a massive difference between what I know and what I truly believe because. There's a part of me that when I think about it goes, well, that does sound pretty good, doesn't it? That does sound pretty good. It does sound like heaven. And maybe we've caught ourselves thinking the same things this evening. And suddenly what we uncover is what is so common uh, and we find in a church today is that we can treasure what God gives and not treasure God Himself. You could say that I treasure God's presence and not His presence. And the whole point of this series is looking at the presence of God to see that God is the greatest gift that God could ever give to you and me this evening. God is the gospel. We get to be with Him. That is the wonderful news. And you know, I wonder whether. One of the things that stops us from enjoying and treasuring God above everything else is because maybe deep down, we we don't believe that God is the greatest gift that God could ever give. We maybe don't believe that knowing and treasuring God brings a joy and a satisfaction that beats any pleasure and joy we could find elsewhere. It's the reason maybe, especially if we might be a bit younger, uh, it's the reason that We find maybe more joy in watching Netflix than we we think we could find in opening up a big and wordy book, the Bible. That greater joy is found in seemingly everything else in life than maybe coming along to church and singing songs and, and listening to someone speak God's word. And, you know, if that's true, then we really don't make much of God. Last week we saw that we don't make much of God if we don't realise just how holy and glorious he is. And similarly tonight we're going to see that we don't make much of God if his presence isn't treasured to us. Now what do I mean by to treasure God's presence? Well, That's the reason I've chosen Psalm 63 for us to explore this evening, because Psalm 63 shows us what it looks like to treasure God above everything else. What it looks like to say that heaven could only be heaven if Christ was there. And uh, on our first week, we had seven Es. uh, Last week, we had three R's. Tonight, we've got three S's, um, three S's. So the first one as we go through tonight, we see in the first S is seek, seek. Now, this psalm that we're looking at this evening is written by someone called King David. And it's right there at the top in italics, uh, which we've always got to remember is to be regarded as, as part of the psalm itself. And it says there, it says a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And now on the surface of things, that doesn't look like it narrows it down much does it but as we read through this psalm we see that David he's on the run from someone who wants to kill him we see that in verse nine and there are a few times in David's life where he was on the run in the desert in the wilderness with someone trying to kill him Saul for example but as we examine and we go through this psalm it actually points to a a time in David's life a time in David's reign when he was king when he's running away from his own son Absalom and we can see that account in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and David is is forced in in this encounter to flee Jerusalem as he hears of Absalom coming towards him and he fears what's going to happen when he arrives and so he leaves Jerusalem he leaves his home to live as an exile in the desert in the wilderness a king who's lost everything, his home, his throne, his power, his family, and even his own honour to some degree. And this is the context that David is living through when he's writing this psalm we're looking at tonight. And, you know, I think that that makes what we read even more remarkable. I I believe it really does. And let's read the first verse of our psalm again. Verse one, It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David, he's on the run. He's in the wilderness. He's away from home. He's thirsty. He's hungry. And yet he's desperate for one thing. God. Don't you find this incredible as we're reading through? David literally has no access to resources such as water or food that are pivotal, that are essential for him to preserve his own life. And yet, his first and foremost concern is a desire for fellowship and relationship with his God, to pursue knowing God. I thirst for you, David says, earnestly, I seek you. To treasure God is to seek God, to pursue knowing God. And we might think tonight, well, but David, you've got so many concerns going on. Your, your world's falling apart. You've got the to-do list the size of a mountain. Why, are you, why have you got this as your biggest concern? Yeah, isn't this what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom. Now, do you it's at this point that the easy application for us to draw is, is to treasure God by seeking God? And that's what we could say. And, is, and of course, that's true. But I imagine that as we're reading through this psalm, as we're hearing David speak, some of us might be thinking, he's a bit over the top, isn't he? Who, who, who really speaks like this? I mean, for most of us, if we're honest, we, we maybe just don't feel like this. This earnestness that David has, that he speaks of in, in seeking and longing after God. You know, we love God, but, but we might think that this is beyond us. This is for people in the Bible. This is for the super religious. And so what we need, therefore, is not to be told to treasure God by seeking God, but to understand why we should, why it is the best and greatest thing in life, why it should be our aim every day. And that brings us to our second point this evening, our second S, which is satisfied. Satisfied. You see, the simple answer to why God should be treasured and pursued with every fibre in our beans this evening, like we see David do, is because of what we see next in our psalm. David testifies to it that God satisfies, totally and utterly satisfies. Look with me at verse two. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So, you know, no one's holding a gun to David's head, telling him to pursue God. David's not seeking and and pursuing God simply because that is how he was raised. He treasures God by seeking him because he knows that that is where true, unwavering joy and contentment and satisfaction is to be found. And, you know, regardless of who we are this evening, whether we call ourselves a Christian or not, wanting to find satisfaction like this is something we all want to find, right? We all want to be in that place where we have a heart that has a peace, that has a a fullness, that is content in life. And, you know, we will try loads of different things. We will buy loads of different things. We'll buy into different methods and routines that people herald as the way to fill that longing in our hearts. And yet deep down, I think we all know. That as we pursue and we seek after all of those things, we are left to quote a great book, Sipping Salt Water. The more we seem to drink, uh, the more we seem to gain, the more we seem to still be thirsty. And, you know, in that book, Sipping Salt Water, it highlights a great quote from C.S. Lewis, who says this. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And, you know, here we have David in our psalm who is testifying to us this evening of God's infinite goodness and joy and satisfaction. Your love, David says, is better than life. That's what David has to say. He says, I beheld your glory and your power. David has seen it. He experiences it. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. I will be satisfied. David is not too easily pleased. He pursues the greatest satisfaction that he knows in life. And, you know, if that is true this evening, then that might mean that Blaise Pascal, a famous French mathematician, was right when he said this. When he said there is a God shaped vacuum or hole in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any creative thing. But only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Do you know when we treasure God, who this evening has been made known to us through the Lord Jesus, when we treasure Christ, we stop sipping salt water. We stop being disappointed at the life that it never gives us enough. We stop being thirsty in a world that always tells us to have more. We stop seeking joy elsewhere and we start experiencing, as C.S. Lewis says, that infinite joy that is offered to us. And, you know, it's not just David that knows the supreme worth that it is to know God, that is satisfied in knowing him. Paul, in the New Testament, in Philippians chapter three, verse eight. He says this, I love this. He says, What is more? I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And you know, Paul, he's a man in prison writing these words. He was a man beaten half to death from being someone who follows Jesus and he still says with every bit of him that nothing could compare nothing remotely compares to what it is to know and to love Christ he says it makes everything else look garbage do you know who or what do you know this evening Offers this kind of joy to us that isn't based on our circumstance, but is based on who they are. And therefore, if this is what treasuring Christ brings into our lives, I hope the obvious question, it was the question I was asking, we would be asking is, how can we have that? How can we treasure Christ like this? How can we make much of him? How do we live lives that long and seek after God's presence like David says? Well, that brings us to our last point this evening, our last S, which is savour. Savour. How does David seek and treasure God? Well, look with me. He writes verse six of how his mind is always drawn and meditating upon God on his bed before sleep during the night as as he's on watch. Looking for enemies approaching, he's thinking. I think it's pointing us back to the person described in Psalm chapter one for us, someone who meditates on God's law day and night. Do you know, David, he would have had to memorize large portions of God's words. And there he would be throughout his day, marveling at who God is, marveling at God's love for him, this love that he knows is better than life. And the more David thinks, the more he meditates, the more he makes of God, the more he treasures him. You know, so often when I'm uh, often when I'm reading my Bible, uh, I've maybe spent time in the morning reading it. When when I close it afterwards, so often it's barely 20 minutes before I forget everything that I've just read in the morning. But, you know. David shows us that treasuring God looks like reflecting and thinking on those truths constantly. You know, constantly being reflected and thought upon the the, the cross of Christ, the the resurrection of Christ, the, the coming of Christ, informing all of our ways throughout the day. You're stood there on the train. You're sat there in the car. You're lying there at night waiting to go to sleep. The Bible might be closed, but letting what we've read, what we know about Christ, let that shape and impact my mind for the rest of the day. Treasuring begins by thinking. And, you know, the rest of the psalm we see, David explains how close he longs to be with God. And look with me. He says, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, David says. It says, verse 11, the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him. David's prayer and his plea is to get me as close to God as I can get. That is what he longs for. That is what he's pursuing and seeking. Get me as close to God as I can. And ultimately, this psalm is a prayer. A prayer that David prays. He he longs for God and so he asks God for that. And Psalms, we've seen and we've been going through them in our morning uh, services over the summer. Psalms are all about drawing near to God and expressing through prayer the emotion, uh, the pain, the joy that we are feeling. Treasuring God's not just thinking about him, but speaking to him too enjoying bringing our hearts, our fears, our failures, our circumstances all before him and asking, like David, that we would be closer to God, that we would cling to him each day, knowing more of his all satisfying presence. And yet, you know, I wonder, as we see this man, David, along with every fibre of his body, to seek and be with God, someone who knows the all satisfying joy that comes through knowing him. Do you know, I hope this evening we see this not as an invitation to think about how far we are from God or how little we treasure God in our lives. I know that's the danger from here as we've been going and we maybe compare ourselves to David and what he says but rather to let this be, as this psalm is designed to be, a catalyst to pursue and to seek and to treasure God with all of our hearts and to pursue the joy and the satisfaction that is found in him, to seek his kingdom above everything else, that no matter how big, How important the things we've got on our to do list are to echo what I love the great George Muller. He said, and he said that the first and great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. I love that. I love that to pursue every day knowing Christ, knowing the joy the satisfaction that he brings. Well, I wonder this evening, if you could enjoy eternal life in a place that was free of all suffering, that had no death, where every tear was wiped away, where there was no more pain or mourning, where every single one of your friends and family could be together, surrounded by the most amazing views to look at, but Jesus wasn't there. Would it still be heaven to you now? Do you know, I pray tonight. I pray tonight that all of us would be able to say it could never be heaven. It could never be heaven if Jesus were not there. Heaven is the place where he is. But the Christian life is not just the things that God gives, but that God gives us himself, made known through Jesus Christ. And David says that the truth is the most satisfying reality in the universe. So I wonder if we're young this evening and we're sipping salt water. You've been told that joy is found in all of these different places, but nothing seems to last. One craze after the next, nothing seems to stick. Then can I say pursue joy by treasuring Christ tonight? Treasure him. If we're tired this evening of the career ladder climbing, the obsession of getting higher, of getting more and yet receiving no joy, then this evening treasure Christ. And, you know, if we've made out Jesus to be all about what he gives, but not to treasure who he is. Then seek and savour Christ tonight. You know, God's presence tonight, as we've seen, is to be, as David shows us, a treasured presence, a presence that is a relationship, a presence that when sought, a presence that when savoured, leads to an abounding joy. No matter what what the circumstances, a satisfaction for the thirsty. Well,
0: let's pray. As we close.
1: Our Father in heaven, tonight we want to recognise that your presence is a treasured presence. And Father, we want to ask for forgiveness tonight for the ways in which we can so often miss this truth, where we can cherish the things that you give and yet not cherish yourself. Father, help us to see that you are the greatest gift that you could ever give to us. Help us by your spirit to live as David lived, longing and seeking after you. And may we pursue with every fibre in our beings this relationship that we can have for you. This relationship that was bought with Jesus's blood on the cross. We pray, Father. That we may each live lives next week where we can glorify you as we become satisfied in you. That people might see our lives as we are completely lost in who you are and they may go, there is something different about us. There is something different about the God these people worship. And we know, Father, it is because the joy and the satisfaction that you bring into our lives is something that can be found nowhere else. And we pray that you may open our eyes each and every day to that truth. May we each know the complete satisfaction of being your people in your presence. We pray we may pursue it this week. In Jesus name. Amen.